Good morning, Third Street. Good morning. Oh, okay. You're tired and hot already. Okay. I said, good morning, Third Street. Ah, there it is. It's so good to be with you all this morning. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Corey. Uh, I'm a pastor here at Third Street Community Church. And this morning, it is my uh, utmost honor and privilege uh, to be tasked with bringing forth the word of God this morning. It is my job this morning to move us forward in a series that we've been in for nearly a month now called Distracted Church. If you're with me this morning, say Distracted. If you know that God put breath in your lungs this morning, say distracted. distracted. If you know that there's still room for you to grow in your faith this morning, say distracted. 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 We've, been, we've been all over the place with this one. We've uh, been talking about all of the things that serve in our society and in our lives as things that distract our faith from growing into its full maturity. For example, one week we talked about being distracted by the crowd. I don't know how relatable it is for you, but a constant battle that, 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 that I know myself and at least more than a few of us have is being distracted by what, uh, uh, by, by the ebbs and flows of popular culture, by, by the ebbs and flows of, what's, of what pop culture thinks is good or bad, what uh, the people that we are constantly seeking validation from approve of and disapprove of. We talked about being distracted from showing love, how a lot of our hurt and a lot of things that have happened to us in our, in our lifetime has caused us to withhold our peace a little bit, hasn't it? It's caused us to be a little, a little stingy with our love, a little, a little stingy with being so, uh, so Christ-like in some of our expressions. Like, nah, you gotta, you gotta earn my love. You have to earn my peace. But that's not really the example we see from Jesus, is it? We talked about how it's a struggle for all of us if we're really being honest. I know we villainize this little dude in the, in the New Testament named Zacchaeus, but if we're completely honest with ourselves, we've all been or are currently distracted by the bag, at least a little bit. It's okay to be honest this morning. This is a keep it real safe zone. This morning, it is my job to move us forward in our series called Distracted, and specifically, I've been tasked with talking about how we are distracted by our schedule. So if you would, I would like for you uh, to stay with me, even though I'm coming for your iCal app, your Google Cal. You know, since we're talking about all that this morning, stay with me. I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. You know how the New Testament goes. Matthew, Mark. It's the second book of the New Testament. I want you to go to chapter 4. It's indicated by the big number 4 in your Bible. Where we're going to start reading is those red letters, which I know that you know is indicative of Jesus' words directly, that this is a quote from Jesus himself. This is Mark chapter 4. If you have your physical Bibles with you, go ahead and turn there. If you are confident in your spiritual maturity and your ability to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, TikTok, and, you know, other text messaging that, that may or may not apply, uh, you go ahead and look at it on your electronic device. Otherwise, y'all can join me in looking right up here on the screen. This is Mark chapter 4. We're going to read two sections of scripture this morning. We're going to start in verse 3. This is Jesus' words. Gospel of Mark records it this way. Here we go. Jesus says, listen, listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. It grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. 
and it didn't produce fruit. And still other seed fell on good ground. Church, say good ground. ground. Mm. Other seed fell on good ground and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. He knows this is cryptic. He knows this is code. So I want you to drop down to verse 13 where he breaks it down to his disciples. And just a few verses later, he says, he says, then Jesus said to him, don't you understand this parable? No, I don't. How then will you understand all parables? I don't know. That's what I rely on pastor for. No, listen. The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear it immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. Others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They're short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. And here's where I want us to focus our time this morning. It's from verse 18 on. It says this, others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground, church say good ground, ground. hear the word, welcome it, produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was shown. Just for the sake of our focus this morning, I want to read those two key verses to us again, verses 18 and 19. It says, others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. There's been a lot going on in my house lately. Just to give you a little bit of update. Our third of four children is now entering the, or has fully entered the potty training stage. I know I'm only getting chuckles from those who have kids that have gone through the potty training stage because immediately you know all the ways that you need to pray for me. Amen. Patience, endurance, my vocal cords to stay intact when I want to, ah! you know what I'm saying? Potty training can be tough, right? I hear boys are easier though. I don't know if that's just somebody trying to make me feel better about the fact that my fourth is a boy. Maybe it gets better, but Candace is shaking her head no at me, so... Thank you for defeating me before I even got started. It's really not easier? No. Okay, great, 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 great. Well, Jamie's potty training. The other night, we've got, we've got it most of the way down, but there's still just a part of it. I don't want to be too graphic this morning. There's just, just know that there's still a part of it that she still can't quite get, a, get, get the hang of, right? So it still requires a lot of attention. Well, the other night, Rachel's teaching summer study here, Bible 100. It was dope. Um, and, 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 and that's great. And I love that my wife, that the manifestation of the spirit of God in my wife's life is, uh, for her to be a really dope teacher. I love that, you know, but sometimes I wish like in equal portions that the spirit manifested itself in her to be a teacher. The spirit would manifest itself in me to be a sturdy, patient dude. You know what I'm saying? Because I got all four at home by myself and it's a lot going on, you know? Um, it's dinner time and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to feed these garbage disposals. 
I'm trying to fit, trying to piece something together, right? I got Sarah talking to me about, about watch my dance routine, and she's sliding all over the kitchen, and she's doing all this and that, and she's like, you didn't see that part. I'm going to back it up and do it again. And she's sliding all over the dance floor, right? And so then, so then I got Kaylee talking about, I want to play Skipbo. I want to play cards. Dad, will you teach me a new card game? Yeah, I want to play cards, right? And I'm like, you only acting like this because you're grinding from screens right now, right? But, but she's tripping. She's talking about she wants, to, she wants to do all this kind of stuff, right? And I got Jamie constantly nagging. That's the one this potty training. I got her constantly pulling on me. Dad, I want more juice. Hold on, Jamie. Dad, I need more juice. Hold on, Jamie. Dad, I want more juice. Hold on, Jamie. I got a few things going on. And PJ, PJ's in like the worst phase of being an infant where he's like, He's like mobile, he's moving around, you can't take your eyes off of him because he's not quite sturdy enough to do stuff on his own yet, but he's definitely mobile enough that he's going to pull himself up on something that he's just going to pull back on himself, right? So you got you to gotta pay attention. So it's a lot going on. I mean, all this to say, just it's a lot going on. And Jamie's insistent, dad, I need more juice, dad, I need more juice. Hold on, Jamie, hold on, Jamie, right? So finally, Jamie's had it. She walks over to her, her pink potty training potty and she stands up on the potty and she screams, Dad, I got to go potty. And those of you who've been potty training, you know that when that kid who's potty training yells, I got to go potty, you drop exactly what you're doing and you run over there and you're like, okay, you got to go potty. She's going to look at me and say, no, but can I have more juice? Yeah, she the one. She the one. For sure. Y'all pray for us. She knows exactly what she needs to do. She discovered how to manipulate potty training as a way of getting attention that she demands in a moment. Church, sometimes the problem with our faith is not a lack of desire to want to grow. Sometimes the problem with our faith is not our ability to receive the word. Sometimes it's the fact that the word being planted in us is having to compete with all these other things sent to us by the evil one or put on by marketing execs in the world that are trying to pull our attention away from where God is asking us to be focused. Sometimes the problem is that we have a world and an enemy who knows exactly what it needs to do to pull our attention away from what it is that we're trying to accomplish. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to an eager crowd. He's talking to a crowd that, that wants to receive the word. Right. They want to hear this. This is at the point in his ministry where he's not all the way uh, so popular yet that 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 Romans and Pharisees are trying to cancel him yet. He's not that quite that popular yet. It's still like the lowdown, the undercurrent, the the rumblings, the word of mouth stuff is what is what's going on. People people are starting to hear about Jesus. And so as, as more and more people begin to gather because they caught it, he's like, oh, he over by the shore. Word, that dude's over by the shore. Let's go check it out. So the more people come to see Jesus, Jesus is like, okay, I need, I, need to, I need to be able to teach the crowd. He gets up on his boat so that he can instruct the crowd. He's instructing a crowd who has chosen to drop what they're doing and come hear the word from this teacher, prophet, healer, Messiah maybe. I don't know. But they're coming, they're eager to receive whatever it is that he is trying to communicate. 
I'm no agricultural expert. Jesus is speaking to an especially agrarian culture. Uh, in other words, they like uh, farming and crops and dirt and stuff. And, and Jesus is speaking to this culture. And the problem for me is like, I'm no agricultural ev- expert, right? Like, like despite, despite growing up in, 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 in Canal Fulton, I know what you're thinking, but like only like 40% of us drove tractors to school. I had a Buick. Like I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, it wasn't me. Right. My thumb is palm colored. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't have that touch with the dirt. I don't I don't know. And so and so I have a lot of work of digging into the text to be able to understand what Jesus is trying to say with 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 all these seeds and sowers. And honestly, it wasn't until verse five that I realized the sower wasn't the person trying to put my shirt back together. You feel me? I didn't know. And so as I'm as I'm getting into this text, Jesus says, consider the sower. I wish I had more time this morning. We got lots of really good things to get to this morning. And so I wish I had more time because if I had more time, I would talk to you all this morning about a God who does not discriminate where or, 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 or in whom he decides to sow seeds. I wish I had a little bit more time this morning because I would talk about I would talk about a God who who is not done with you yet. I would talk about a God who 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 who, who doesn't draw red lines. I would I would talk about a God. I would talk about a God who 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 doesn't give up and that he believes that maybe the soil just needs cultivating just a little bit more in order to to sprout up and bear fruit. I would I would talk about a God that hasn't given up on you as evidence of the fact that he hasn't given up on me as evidence of the fact that he sent Jesus in the first place. I would I would talk about that a lot more if I had more time this morning. But I don't so I won't. So so he's talking about seed being thrown in every direction, knowing that some of it is going to land on the path. Some of it is going to land on hard hearts, on hard ears, on people who who they just ain't going to touch it at all. But that doesn't mean he doesn't throw it. That's for free. But Jesus then teaches about the seed that falls on rocky soil. And the issue with the rocky soil is that it ain't that deep. And so there's these moments of excitement where it's like, yes, Jesus, enlightenment. But the moment something happens, the moment life gets a little bit too hard. I wish I had a few saints in here this morning that knew life is hard. The moment things get hard, that sprout withers and dies because it just ain't that deep. But the soil that I want to focus on this morning is that third soil. The soil that he says other soil is like the seed that tries to grow up amongst thorns. Here's what's interesting to me about this soil and why it stuck out for the purposes of our time this morning. is because this is the only one where the plant doesn't make it, but Jesus doesn't blame the soil. The problem in the third scenario the plant that tried to grow up amongst the, amongst, the, amongst the thorns, help me, Holy Ghost, is not with the soil. The soil was eager. The soil wanted to receive. I think sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that if I'm having a hard time growing in my faith, I'm the problem. I must be doing something wrong. I must be too far gone. God must not be throwing seed my direction. He must be finished with me. 
But sometimes, church, the problem is not the soil. I'm going to make an assumption this morning and say that I'm looking at a bunch of individuals that are good soil. Church, say good soil. I believe you to be good soil as evidenced by the fact that the weather is crappy. It's the middle of summer. Y'all knew it was going to be hot in this gym, but you're here anyway to receive the word. You know you're eager to receive this word, but the problem is not with the soil. Church, you are good soil. The problem with this soil is that the seed is having to compete for room with other things in order to grow. It's not that the soil don't want to grow. It's not that the sower doesn't want to see it sprout. It's that there's too many other things in the way preventing our growth. The word's getting choked out. The seed wants to develop. The seed wants to bear fruit. But the weeds are also trying to grow. And the thorns are choking the plant out and preventing it from bearing fruit. Here's what I'm trying to say. The way we spend our time, if we are not real intentional about the way we spend our time, our time will choke out our faith and spiritual development. When we are giving our time to too many other things, it's not that those things are bad or that we're not well intended. It's just that it shouldn't have to compete with God for room in your life. What God requires of us in order for us to grow spiritually is our focus on him. That's what he wants from you. He wants wants your heart. He wants your focus. And I believe that there is no greater indicator of where our focus is than the way we spend our time. If I were to have you journal... What did you do this week? Give me a minute by minute countdown of everything you did this week. Without knowing you at all, I firmly believe that somebody could objectively look at your schedule and tell you what you you prioritize. Somebody could objectively look at your calendar and know what's important to you. I believe that. God is having to compete with our schedules. God is having to compete with the things that are filling our calendars. Tell me where you've heard this before, right? I want to join a huddle, but I don't have time. I want to, I want to be involved in a community, but the way my life is set up, the way my schedule's broken down, see, I got it color-coded, I got it tabbed, it's super organized, good for you. But it ain't no room for this kind of stuff in there. I want to be closer to God. But pastor, when I work these 10-hour days and then come home to these kids and cook these meals and then do bedtime, I'm just too tired to spend time with God at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day. I'm tired. Me too, Sly. I want to be there on Sundays, pastor. I really do. I want to, I want to worship. I want to give glory to God. I want to I want, to, I want to praise. I want to give God his flowers. Amen. But you understand, Sundays is like the only time that I get for me time. You know what I'm saying? Wow. It's me time. 
I want to be clear, that's not to say that that involvement in this particular body of Christ is the only way we spiritually grow, right? I I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. But it is to show how easy it is to let other things that the world tells us we need to do slip in and force spiritual growth to become less of a priority, right? Jesus calls these things thorns. And he qualifies these thorns in three ways. He says, the first thorn that you're going to encounter is the worries of this age. In other words, it's the concerns and the anxieties you have with this present evil age, right? Jews recognized, as evidenced by the Pharisees constantly talking about it, Jews recognized that this world isn't set up the way that it's supposed to be set up. You know, as I read the scriptures and I look at the book of Genesis and how beautiful and dope everything was in the Garden of Eden, and then I look out my window, I just don't see those realities that is painted in the scriptures. As I look at the eschaton, as I look at the end times, as I look at what what God, the picture that God paints of what it'll all look like when we're in the kingdom and how beautiful it is and how dope it is and how much it resembles the beginning because it's the beginning and the end. And then I look out the door and I go out into my neighborhood. It's just not quite the same. And believe it or not, there were people in Jesus's day and time, there were people that were that were so caught up in their concern of how awful the world was, as good intended as that was from their heart. They were so concerned with how awful the world was that they completely missed the fact that the Messiah, the savior of all things, the hero of their story, Jesus, the Christ himself, walked right down their street. What I love about Third Street is that this is a place, this is a people that understands that justice is a necessary part of the gospel. That it is absolutely necessary to God's plans to unite, renew, and restore humanity, his people, the folks that he's calling to be a part of the kingdom. I love that we're a people that recognize that. But what I would fear is that we become so consumed by the mission that we forget about talking to the one who wrote it in the first place. The second thorn he talks about is the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, y'all know we talked last week about how we're distracted by the bag, and so I won't go too deep into it, but it's this idea that there is a certain seduction of affluence in our world, that there is a certain false illusion that's being paraded in front of our faces to create a false sense of security. You go after this and you'll be good, right? You just chase after it a little bit longer, right? You make some decisions in order to get that bag and eventually you will have gotten enough bags to be secure. But the secret we talked about in unfolding the story of Zacchaeus is that the lure of financial security is ultimately empty, isn't it, saints? It's empty. As evidenced by the fact that a tiny little rich man climbed a tree to see Jesus. Something so undignified as that. that. If this man was truly satisfied in his wealth, is he climbing that tree? No. No. 
Our schedules, though, the reason I'm bringing this back up is because our schedules tend to be run by the lure of affluence. Our schedules tend to be dictated by our appeal to be financially secure. We're told that if we have enough cash, which for some of us translates to holding enough jobs, that we won't ever slip back into a condition that we're desperately trying to escape from. That's what we're told. And so if we have enough cash or if we own enough land, we're secure. But Jesus comes directly against that. All good things flow from our relationship with who? Then I feel like just for good measure, right, it's the last line in a job description that's like, and other duties as assigned by. He's like, and the desire for other things. In other words, whatever I didn't just cover, that's also a thorn. Right? Our constant pursuit. What's good, Sonny? Our constant pursuit of material possessions. Our constant pursuit. Here we go of validation. Whatever it is that is causing us to want to find validation, whether that's for some of us having certain stuff, right? I know I made it when I have a boat. I don't know. I don't know. Just came to me. I don't know why. Maybe somebody here is trying to get a boat. I don't know. Stop it. Unless you're going to invite me, then let's kick it. I know that if I get the appropriate amount of looks, if I get the appropriate amount of double taps, if I get the appropriate amount of follows, I know I'll feel, I know I'll be doing something then, right? Whatever it is that we find validation in, the amount of time we spend giving a particular appearance to folks. Now, I didn't have time to go to church this morning because I would have had to wake up in time to figure out a look and figure out a way and then also rehearse my speech to let people believe that when I see Sly in the doorway and he's like, how you feeling? He's like, I'm pretty good, but that's a lie. The amount of time we put in in the appearances of doing all right, it's a thorn. It's taking us away. Now, here's the thing, church. I got to ask you, what, what are the thorns that are taking up your time? And I don't want to completely bash them because, honestly, some of these things are not that bad. Sorry, some of these things are not bad. I got a wife and four kids. That takes a lot of time. That's not bad. However, if those things, even those not bad things, become my whole focus... And they replace time spent hearing from, glorifying, and reflecting Christ. Then that's choking out my spiritual development. What I love about this place is that I know y'all want to do good things. I know we fight for injustice of the world, fight against the injustice of our world. I know we want to provide for our families and the generations that come. I know we'd also like to enjoy some of the first fruits along the way because a worker is worth his wages. You know what I'm saying? I know that. 
but it cannot be the focus. It cannot be the focus of our lives. Because that's what takes time away from God. Let me say it another way. In John chapter 15, Jesus makes it pretty plain. He's like, picture this. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. What are we all trying to do? Produce much fruit. But he says, because you can do nothing without me. Jesus is saying, stick with me. Focus on me. Discern your situations through me. Dictate your calendar through me. Give yourself time with me. Let me help you wisely navigate the rhythms of life. And I promise you the fruit that satisfies all will flow abundantly from your life. He's like, y'all got it mixed up. You're so bent on giving your time to bearing fruit that you're forgetting to spend time with me when time with me is what causes you to bear fruit in the first place. What are the thorns that need to be cut from your life? What's the weeds that need to be pulled up? What are the things that have taken your focus away from the main thing? Speaking of the main thing, Jesus, again, says it plain in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. He says, look, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And you might be so bold as to challenge Jesus in that moment and be like, Jesus, I don't have time to give to all the things that you're talking about. You might be so bold as to say, Jesus, you don't know how my life's set up. You don't know why I'm out here working these jobs, but it doesn't change Jesus's statement. Who knows the rest? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be provided for you. You want to get to a position where you don't got to work so hard for it? Abide in Jesus. Seek first the kingdom. And it says it will be provided for you. But he didn't work for it. Doesn't matter. He was with Jesus. Now I know. I know what your blank stares me. You forget how well I know you. Right? I'm not the only one that tells stories. You tell stories on yourself too. I know you well enough to know that your blank stares, there's at least more than a few of you that are sitting here like, but what you want me to do, bro? What do you want me to do about it? Right? What are you saying, Pastor? Let me tell you. How you want me to rework my life's calendar? KT will tell you. He's the basketball coach, so I'm going to lean on him. KT will tell you, there's only one thing you want to let me do if we're playing basketball. Yeah, more than a few of you knew it, right? There's only one thing. But a lot of times, shooters can struggle from the field. I mean, not like a lot of times, but sometimes we do, right? Shooters can struggle from the field, and as a shooter, you need to, you need to, to refocus sometimes. You need to realign yourself. One thing that I was always taught when you're off, a good place to go back to is the nail, the free throw line, right? 
You go back to the free throw line because free throws are fundamental. And your shooting form, when shooting a free throw, it's rhythmic, right? It's rhythmic. You can feel it. You can feel it. First of all, it's a tempo. You catch the ball at the free throw line. The game's not going on. You have an opportunity to... Then it's a rhythm. There's nobody trying to disrupt your flow. There's nobody trying to impede your focus, right? It's just you and the goal, and it's rhythmic. Ha, 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 right? It's rhythmic. It's a tempo. Ha, ha, ha. It's follow through, right? And you do that over and over, over and over. You can get yourself in a zone where it just doesn't miss because it's a tempo. It's a rhythm. A jumper is a rhythm. Twins, a jumper is a rhythm. I already know Lauren knows. That's why I'm telling you. A jumper is a rhythm. I saw, I saw KT come for y'all. It looked fun, so I thought I'd try it too. Yeah. Three words that I want us to walk out of here when trying to reorient our lives for the kingdom of God to be our center focus. They're this. You ready for this? You got your pens? You got your little notepads? Check it out. Tempo. Balance, focus. Tempo, balance, focus. Number one, your tempo of life. I want you to genuinely look at your calendar. Not right now. I want, this, is, this is reflective time for later. I want you to look at this past season of your life. I want you to look at the ridiculousness of your calendar. And I want you to ask yourself the genuine question, is this repeatable? Like, could I do this again? Let me say it another way. Is this sustainable? In other words, if I kept this schedule up for a longer period of time without a break, will I burn out, wither away, and die? Your tempo of life, is it rhythmic? Is there a repeatable flow to your life and work? Let me ask it another way. Are your current life rhythms promoting health? Right? You might be those arrogant few like, like myself that believe it's a little ridiculous. It's not sustainable for most, but I can do it. Right? Let me tell you something. No, you can't. Right? Challenge me later, but no, you can't. Are your current rhythms sustainable, repeatable, and promoting health? Are they prioritizing your relationship with God? Are they prioritizing the things that need to be prioritized? Because next comes balance. And what provides balance in our lives, according to the scriptures, going back specifically to John chapter 15, what provides balance in our life is prioritizing the key relationships in our lives. That's what keeps us balanced. We were created to be in community. As, as, as Jesus expands on the vine and the branches thing in John 15, he, sa he says, whatever the Father does, that's what you do, which means there needs to be a really tight-knit relationship between you and God, right? Then he also says stuff about being with your friends, which means there needs to be a tight-knit community that you're also living this stuff out with, right? When you look at your calendar, are the key relationships in your life appropriately prioritized, God included? Does it actually look like God first? Does it actually look like God gets most of your time? Does it actually look like God gets most of your time and the only people who are coming even mildly close to that is your immediate family? Is that what it looks like? Does it look like you know that God's been calling you to a specific people group? You know God wants you to invest, 
But does it actually, does your calendar actually reflect the fact that you're spending time with said people in said key relationships? God, family, spiritual community. Is that actually what your calendar looks like? Right? And last, focus. In other words, something I like to say all the time, keep the main thing the main thing. Are you actually fixed on the kingdom of God? Are you actually fixed? Is your gaze actually fixed on the things that God wants you to do? I believe that we have a room full of dreamers. Right. I believe that 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 God puts hearts uh, or sorry, in our hearts, God puts desires. God puts dreams. God puts visions of what he wants us to live into. And I believe that when you're actively living into your relationship with Jesus, those things are revealed to you. And as those things are being revealed to you, is that something that you're putting on the back burner when you finally make it to one of these tax brackets or you get rid of a few of them kids because they're off to whatever the heck after 18 that, that, that you'll get to then? Or is your focus actually living into the things that God has, has as your spiritual mandate right now? Focusing on the one to two things that God is asking you to give your full focus to in order to advance his kingdom. Is that what your schedule looks like? I'll just say this, for us as, us, for, uh, for us as a church, we tried our best to embody these rhythms corporately, right? We have regular touch points. We hear every Sunday, 11-ish a.m., don't smile at me. You know what I'm talking about. Right? We have regular touch points. We also have other rhythms that we do together. We have these things called huddle where we live out our faith together. We live out our lives together, constantly asking each other the question, what's God saying to you and what are you going to do about it? We do that all the time. But then we also take a break. Right? Right now, huddles don't meet. That's intentional. That's intentional. There needs to be a rhythm, a season of rest, a season of reevaluating, a season of, season of going over our tempo, our balance, our focus, right? That's why between Easter and summer kickoff stuff, right, summer studies and all, and all of that, you don't really hear a lot of announcements from us, right? Because that's when we take in our break as a staff, right? That's also when we work in staff retreat. So we have space to not worry about the logistics of this, of this community, but then for just a little bit, dream, pray together, spend time away, right? We try to do things to embody, embody healthy rhythms, but, but ultimately, if all of us as a community aren't doing this on an individual level, ugh, our growth is going to be stunted. What I love is that I know Third Street to be a place of good soil. Amen. I look out and I see good soil, eager for the word. But in this season, I want us to make sure we're taking the time. I know you've, you've been diligent to make your hearts be able to receive the word. I know you've done that hard work or you're doing that hard work, but I want us to also take the time to pull some weeds to cut some thorns, to recognize the things that may be choking out or stunting our spiritual growth. Because ultimately, and this is for you green thumb folks, right? Ultimately, if you don't pull those weeds this season, how much fruit you're going to bear next? Right. 
My encouragement this morning is for us to reorient ourselves on the one who saved us from being choked out by the evils of this world so that our good soil can be cultivated by the Savior of the world, the author of salvation, the creator of all things, and fully see fruit come forth that advances the kingdom because that's good news, not only to us, but to our communities and generations to follow. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you include us. God, we thank you that we have been adopted into your family. That the seed and the ability to bear fruit is is no longer held exclusively to one people in one time, in one lineage. But God, that you include us that you want to see us grow, that you want to see us develop, that what you have for us in our growth is far greater than anything we can be pursuit of in and of ourselves. And so, Father, we, we want to live into that reality for ourselves. We want to live into that reality for our neighbors, for our families. And so, God, as we reorient our focus to try to pursue that, God, I pray that we would feel your forgiveness for the ways that we've gotten distracted. God, I pray that we would know that your forgiveness is setting into our hearts as we acknowledge the things in our lives that are choking out the development of our faith. God, I pray that you bring to the forefront of our mind the distractions, the meetings, the responsibilities, the relationships, the things that we have given attention to that has distracted us from our growth in you. Lord, we repent for not trusting you with the development of the fruit in our lives. And God, we pray that as we refocus ourselves and pursue the narrow path that you have laid before us, that we would keep patience and keep confidence that this is the path to follow, that this is the hard work to do because you have revealed to us in your son that the path that he has marked out does not lead us into destruction, does not lead us into temptation, but after all, delivers us from the evils of this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All who believe say, Bless up.